0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 23, how Sarah died in Canaan and how God wrote down their life of faith in Hebrews 11, where great men and women of God are recorded in God's Hall of Faith chapter of the Bible. Now, before we begin our Bible study here with Tom Cantor today on Friendship with God, we want to introduce to you the new Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible from Tom Cantor. It's an amazing study Bible that features the greatest resources and Bible study helps available on the market today. Now, this King James study Bible and reference Bible has genuine lamb skin leather, over 2,200 pages of Bible helps and references and outlines. In fact, over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references, 12 custom-made full-color maps, as well as a History of Israel 9-page full-color timeline map, and a full Bible concordance. Popular Bible Scripture References to Study and Memorize, Prophecy and Fulfillment Study Section, Names of the Messiah Study Section, The Life of Joseph Study, Frequently Asked Questions about the Jewish Messiah Study Section, Hebrew Root Notations and Definitions, as well as How to Receive the Jewish Messiah, also a Tour of the Bible Scripture Journey, Daily Bread Reading Notations, Over 600 Pages of Bible Study Helps with the Friendship with God, King James Study Bible. You will enjoy this Bible from Tom Cantor and we will pre sell it today for a donation of $100 or more to the Friendship with God radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries. Donate today and receive the new Tom Cantor Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible, over 2,200 pages. You'll enjoy this Bible. Call us now at 800 247 3051. You can also call us after the program. Again, 800 247 3051. Sign up to receive this Bible. 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching from the book of Genesis.
1: Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. You took all the trouble to compose it, to fill men of God and have them write it. Lord, you took the trouble to preserve it. Translate in all the languages, including ours. And now, Lord, you take the trouble to teach it to us by your Holy Spirit. And so we're here this morning, Lord, ready to receive your word. Teach it to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 23, verse 1. Okay. And Sarah was 107 and 20 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirjath Arba the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession for a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear us, my lord, thou art a mighty prince." "...among us, in the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulcher, but that thou mayest bury thy dead." And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, "...if it be in your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me to Ephron, the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath." which is in the end of his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of a bearing place amongst you. Now, in our last study, you remember that we were looking at this searching statement here in verse 1, where it says, and Sarah was 107 and 20 years old, and these were the years of the life of Sarah. So you look at that verse and you see the colon, and you see what comes before the colon, you see what comes after the colon, and the part before the colon, we read from earth's perspective, it's like an obituary. It's an obituary fact about Sarah. She was 127 years old and she died. But after the colon of verse 1, we read from heaven's perspective the internal importance. These are the 127 years... These were this time that Sarah had here on earth. That was her time that was given to her by God. Just like when Jacob talked to Pharaoh in Genesis 47, 9, and he said, the days of the years of the life of thy servant. So in other words, these were the days of the years of the life of Sarah. And it's interesting how the Hebrew puts it, because it uses what it says in the Hebrew. It says, "Shnayim shnei, shnayim shnei hayas Sarah. So in other words, it's saying the word "shnayim" is years. And uh, shnei is also years, but it's shnei shnel. It's uh, years of or the years about. You know, Hebrew has a lot of shortcuts, you know, because why shouldn't they have shortcuts? So it's a lot of shortcuts. But it's a double emphasis here. So the phrase is appearing twice. So it's saying here, first it says, these are the years, shnei, and these are the years of the life. These are the years of the life of Sarah. Those were the years that God gave for Sarah to live on earth. And that statement emphasizes for us a truth. Behind a poem. We all know this phrase only one life till all is past, only what's done for Christ will last. We all know that. Do you know where that came from? That was a poem that was written by the Babe Ruth of the cricket world in England. You know who that was? C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was the Babe Ruth of the cricket world of England. He gave his life, he gave everything. He left it all and he went to be a missionary to join Hudson Taylor in China. And then he went to India and pastored there for a while, and then for Africa. And when he left England, he made this statement. He said, some want to live within the sound of a church bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That's what he said. And he wrote this song. It goes like this. Two little lines. is his poem. Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life, twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life till soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a brief few years, with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life till soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say... Only one life twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow thy word to keep, faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing Thee in my daily life. Only one life twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now to turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life twill soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Let me say, Thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I'll know, I'll say, 'twas worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has burned out for Thee.' That's where it all comes from. And that was Sarah. And those were the life of Sarah. What was done for Jehovah Jesus lasted in Sarah's life. And so for the lost, there's one most important decision to make during the years of their life, and that is whether or not to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as God and Savior. You know, I got a call yesterday, I'm preparing this from... Richard Peretz, a friend who has the what is it called? Shalom Now TV show. It's about Israel. He's an Israeli, and he was all worked up over the war in Gaza, and wanted me to come with a group of Jewish people to Israel that he would make us press people, you know, so we could go and meet Lieberman, the government, other uh, government people, so we could help in the war effort. And I told him, you don't want me on your trip. No. <laughs> I said I am going to speak to every person in that group about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was told me how worked up he was. He was only sleeping three hours each night because he was worried about the Gaza war. He said, don't you care? Don't you care about the people dying? Don't you care about the 67 Israelis that have died and the 1,700 Palestinians? And I told him, I care about them. I care about where those 67 Israelis went after they died. And I care about those 1,700 Palestinians and where they went after they died. And I want to make sure that others who will die will go to heaven when those bombs drop out of the sky. And then I asked him, I said, how old are you? And he told me, 67. I asked him, I said, if he knew the average life expectancy for a male in the U.S. And he said he didn't know and he didn't want to (laughs) know. And I told him it was 76, which means on average, I said, you have about nine more years to live unless you're like my wife, who died at 67. And I told him, well, what a tragedy it would be if in your life, if you let yourself be so distracted. And this final stage of your life by the war in Gaza that you ignored becoming a child of God by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as God and Savior. Yes, he said, but I just don't have time to think about that right now. This is the way he puts it. Maybe someday we can sit down under a shade tree with a glass of lemonade and have a philosophical discussion of the meaning of life. So it's not exactly a philosophical discussion on the meaning of life. This is the crux between heaven and hell. What the Lord Jesus Christ said in Mark 8, 36 or 37, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What's a man going to give in exchange for his soul? We studied the impact of the statement in verse 2, where we read that Sarah died in the land of Canaan. Now, Sarah with Abraham, they had the promise that that land of Canaan was going to be their own, but she died. She died, and she didn't receive the land. She never saw that. She never received the promise. I don't ask you to turn very often, so you should be willing to turn to Hebrews 11. Because this chapter in Hebrews 11, the great men and women of God who were men of, women of faith, and it includes Abraham and Sarah, and it's a chapter about their faith. And it starts off in verse 1, and so it explains what faith is. Faith, he says, it's substance, what you can see for things that are hoped for. It's evidence which can be seen. And then it says in verse 2, by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. So in other words, let me just ask you an obvious question. What good is faith? What is faith good for? What's the benefit that faith brings to us? Look at verse 2. Verse 2. You get a good report. That's a benefit. That's a big benefit. You get a good report. It's a report card. You get a good report card. You know, Cheryl homeschooled our kids for 14 years. In the last three years, they went to Christian High. And so at Christian High, David, he was bound and determined to become the Valor Victorian. And so he was out there calculating to the 100th decimal point, his great point average, you know, all the way through. and Make sure you got, you got up there and said, okay, Valor Victorian. That was a good report. It was a good report. You know, we're on a life course. You and I are on a life course. And at the end of our life, we're going to get a report. And the question is, is it going to be a good report or a bad report? How did we do in our life? We want a good report. We'd like a good report. And so this explains to us, it's through faith that we get the good report. Now jump down to verse 11 there. I mean, it's verse 8, where it says this. By faith, when he was called to go into a place that he should afterward receive for an inheritance, this is Abraham, he went out, not knowing whither he went. So what does that verse say that Abraham did because of his faith? He went out of Ur of the Chaldees. Now it says that Abraham went out of Ur of the Chaldees by faith because of what he believed. What did Abraham believe that made him willing to leave his home? It tells us that in the verse. The answer is in the verse. Why did he leave? It is a promise. But the promise was that he should after receive an inheritance. He says, this better than here, so I'm going to go with him. God made an inheritance promise to him. And it was better than he could get in Ur of the Chaldees there. Now, looking at verse 9, what did Abraham do because of his faith further? He lived like an alien. He lived like a stranger. He sojourned in tents, tabernacles, like a pilgrim. And uh, what did he believe that caused him to live in tents? as strangers? the verse 10 that tells us that. Verse 10, what does it say in verse 10 that why he did that? He was looking for a city. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He believed that there was a city whose builder and maker is God. And he looked at the cities of Sodom and he looked at the cities around in Canaan. He looked at the city of Gomorrah and he said, this is not it. He said, God did not build this city of homosexuality. He said, I didn't leave Ur of the Chaldees, one city of sin, for another city of sin. I'm not going to settle down here. These are too infused with sin. And so he kept moving. He kept moving. You know, I remember when we took our boys on an eight-week trip to the East Coast and then throughout Europe, and we had to go through so many airports because it was a business trip also. We spent a lot of time in airports and waiting lounges, waiting for one flight Till our flight was called, and this was really tough on our boys. It was hard to sit there in that waiting lounge, and they found it so hard, and so, you know, they, they had to go to the bathroom so many times, and it took them so long to come back from the bathroom because they would wander off in this shop or that shop. They were always wandering off, and we were telling them, you've got to sit here and wait because, you know, when the flight's called, they're not going to wait for you, so you've got to sit here. And it was just a chore to keep them waiting there in the lounge, and we'd finally scold them and everything, but anyways, it was a big problem. You know, that's a danger in our lives. God wants us to always be ready to go to heaven and not to go wander off into this world. Our lives need to be like we're waiting in the waiting lounges of the airport, waiting for our flight to heaven to be called. And we don't know when it's going to be called. Last night, it was a great shock. Tim Sneeden, the pastor that went to school with David at Bob Jones, he'd been working for many years and setting up Metro Baptist Church in uh, Point Loma with his wife Eileen. And uh, they've been working and working, and, you know, it was around 50. And then all of a sudden, you know, the message comes through. Tim, last night, has this heart attack, and he's gone to glory. Just like that. And so that's the way God wants us to live in this world. Like we're in the waiting lounge of an airport, waiting for our flight to be heaven to call. His flight to heaven was called. And uh, nobody in their right mind would ever call a waiting lounge of an airport their home, except for Tom Hanks. But, and neither should we call. The waiting lounge of this world, our home. Now, still in Hebrews 11, look at verses 13 and 15. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They were persuaded of them, they embraced them, and then they confessed. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. They that say such things declare plainly they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. So like Sarah dying in the promised land of Canaan without receiving the promise of the land, these people of God in Hebrews 11, they died the same way. They all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. They kept God in their view. They kept heaven where God is in their view, firmly in their sight. They meditated on the word of God, they sung about God, they worshiped God, they prayed to God. It was God, 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 all the time God, and then God. And they built a life for themselves that was all about God. And that enabled them to continually see God's promises afar off that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard the things that he's laid up for him. And that's how we should all live.
0: We'll return with Tom Cantor in our Bible study here on Friendship with God. We'd like to take a moment to wish you Happy New Year and thank you for your listenership and your support this past year, but also we'd like to encourage you to support us in 2015 here at Friendship with God, making this program available on this station in your city, as well as available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org and also at sermonaudio.com and itunes.com by searching for our Friendship with God podcast. Your donations help to make this program free and airing on your station in your city. So would you consider being a monthly supporter of the Friendship with God radio program by giving a monthly donation of any amount to help keep this Bible teaching radio program going. So to set up your donation of any amount monthly, call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Here's Tom Cantor.
1: That's how we should live. This is what Moses meant when he said in Deuteronomy 6, 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Mr. Peretz then told me, and I was was explaining this to him, he says to me, yes, but the Torah says that you need to have flour so that you can study. (laughs) The Torah nowhere says that. So now, looking at verse 13 and seeing how those believers filled their vision with the promises of God, what effect did those promises have on those believers? What does it say? They persuaded them. See, these believers, when they were looking at these promises, and they filled their lives and their vision with these promises, what well, we should do. Those promises persuaded them. They changed them. And after he fills the vision, after the believer fills his vision with the promises of God and they persuade him, What does the verse say that those believers did with the promises of God? They embraced them. You know, picture a little kid, you give him a teddy bear, and he hugs it, and he embraces, and he says, my teddy, my teddy bear. That's what they did. They said, these are my promises here. They embraced them, and they said, those are not just the promises of God, those are my promises of God. They embraced them. That's a beautiful word. And then from verse 13, then what happened? What evidence that those believers had embraced the promises of God? What was the evidence then? See, see, it's because they saw them, it's because they let them influence them, it's because they wrapped their arms around them, said they were theirs, and therefore they confessed, I'm in the waiting lounge. I'm a stranger and I'm a pilgrim here, you see? And that's what they did. Now, in verse 15, expresses the greatest danger that believers faced and that you and I face. And it's one word. What's that word? The greatest danger to returning is to become mindful. That's a beautiful word mindful, full of mind. Let the world fill their mind. That's a danger. That's a pattern for our lives. See? Keep the promises of God in front of us. Let our minds embrace the promises of God. Let those promises persuade and change our lives. Openly confess that we're strangers and pilgrim, and our, the greatest challenge is so that we can have a good report through faith, and our greatest danger is to not let our mind become full with the entertainments of the world, with the television of the world, with the movies of the world. See? So our challenge is to not allow this world to fill our mind so that the world becomes our home. As a matter of fact, Abraham, it's interesting with this passage we're reading here, because in Acts 7 5, it says, that God gave him none inheritance in it in Canaan. No, not so much as to put his foot, foot on. But He promised that He would give him for a possession and a seed after him when as yet He had no child. The only exception to that is this burial ground, this burial cave. And I don't think He wanted to set His foot on that very often. But anyways, He purchased this earth there. And he never would have bought this property except that he needed a place to bury Sarah. It's the only reason he did it. And that property always reminded Abraham, this world's not my home. But it was just a repository for the body of Sarah, the shell in which Sarah occupied. And that would be the repository for Abraham's body and for Isaac's body and Jacob's body and Joseph's body. So the real challenge for us is to keep us from saying, this world's not bad. I'm quite happy here. How do we do that? Well, one way is by keeping in our mind the Lord Jesus Christ, thinking about how he lived on this earth. You know, he died when he was 33 years old. He didn't have a wife, didn't have a physical family, but he made the family of God. I was thinking of Muriel and Bert Poole, how they loved children, and they tried for 10 years to have children, but they couldn't have children. Yet, like the Lord, they had many spiritual children. But Muriel never had the joy of children running around and their own children running around their home. I was thinking of Mildred Dombo, your stepmother, <laughs> and how in her life, widowed twice, it's very dangerous to marry her. And she never had any children, yet the Lord, she had many spiritual children. I consider myself one of her children. But she never had the joy of having children running around her home. And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he spoke about his life in Luke 9, 58, he said, and Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So he said he had no place to call home, no comfort of a home, no safety of a home, yet he gave a home in heaven to many. It was because he left his home, as we were talking this morning, it was because he left his home in heaven and came here to a place without a home that it was able to be said about him in Hebrews 2.10, for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory bringing many sons unto glory he brought many sons to glory and in revelation 7 9 it says after this i beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations kindreds peoples tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and palms in their hands as we were singing on Friday night, Behold what manner of love, First John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The key verse for us to keep in making this world a home is in Micah 2.10, where it says, Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, it is polluted, it shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. You know, the two words there are very interesting, It says destroy and destruction. They're not the same word, but they're related. And the first word, chabal, for destroy, is used for a rope that is slowly tightened and it causes a person to writhe in pain. And then the second word, chebel, which is related to it, that's the word that's used for a noose that chokes a person to death. And so what God is saying is that if we try to make this earth our rest, then it's gonna slowly strangle us like an anaconda. It's gonna choke off our life breath like a noose around our neck. And so God has ways, thank God, but he has ways to keep his own from making this world their home.
0: What a great message of exhortation and encouragement not to make this world our home from Tom Cantor today here on Friendship with God. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and sermonaudio.com. So friendshipwithgod.org, iTunes.com or sermonaudio.com to download today's message or past messages. Now, you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up with your email for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse, just one small verse from the Bible and a small exhortation or encouraging note from Tom Cantor on that verse from the Bible. You can sign up with your email at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse available through Facebook. You can befriend Tom Cantor by searching for Tom Cantor on Facebook, as well as Israel Restoration Ministries and Friendship with God. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God and the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, has put together a four-year Bible project, the Friendship with God King James Study and Reference Bible from Tom Cantor. Over 2,200 pages and over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It's printed with Finland thin paper printing technology to minimize its thickness. It's covered in a black lambskin leather, gold lettering, and over 30,000 Bible column inline scripture references. As well as over 20 pages of full-color maps and timelines, a full Bible concordance. This is an amazing Bible with, again, over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It's yours for a donation of $100 to the Friendship with God radio program in Israel Restoration Ministries. It's available now, so call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Make your donation today for the Friendship with God Bible at 800 247 3051, or go online to friendshipwithgod.org for more information, or again, 800 247 3051.